welcome to podcast number and i can't remember what number it is and it's the first episode of series number two and our special guest is the amazing jason heath welcome jason hi jason susan david it's it's an honor to be here and be a part of this and i love to be kicking off the second season i love that you're doing seasons that's a a wonderful way to sort of like bracket off like a a set of episodes or like uh, and 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 i just love i love what you're doing can't i can't wait uh to follow along as you keep putting out new episodes and and chatting together and chatting with uh, cool guests and just what you cover i think is i think is awesome so thanks for having me on board well thanks for coming on board this is great and we're Excited to have you here, but also honored that you listen to all the podcasts that we put out. <laughs> well, I've been wanting there to be more podcasts about the double bass for forever, you know, and, and so and, and every once in a while something pops up and it's it's awesome and I love it. But it's it, I think it's a, a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. You know, I, I, I I've been podcasting for a long time, but I was not the first double bass podcast. There was a there was a podcast called the double bass cast. And I think his name was Peter Jones, maybe. And he did like five episodes and then and then quit. He quit before people even had iPods, I think. So um, so one of these days I'll get him on and we could talk like real old school bass podcast. Yeah, what a good idea. So I have a question for you, of course. <laughs> Here you are, you're a great performer, a fabulous teacher, you've got this well-rounded career and then all of a sudden you decided to start Counter Bass Conversations podcast. Where did the idea come from? Like how did this all start? Where did it what happened? <laughs> well, I just I decided I was fed up with taking professional orchestra auditions, and I was just like I I was driving to the Kansas City Symphony to take an audition, not had barely practiced enough, walked in there. I felt like I want my deposit check, so I'll just go take the audition. I could have just kept driving on the freeway back home, which I probably should have done, but I went in there just had a horrible audition and I was like all right we got to figure out something else to do with life so I all of a sudden thought well what am I going to do with these four hours a day where I'm banging my head against the wall practicing Beethoven 5 probably wasn't the right way to be practicing Beethoven 5 by the way for (laughs) old Jason but and and I just I I wandered around I was living in Chicago the neighborhoods and I I thought and and I'd always been into technology and podcasting was just kind of getting going around then and I got my first iPod and I found, discovered this podcast directory. And then I, of course, like you do, I thought like double bass, what is there? And I found this double bass cast. Oh my goodness. But he hadn't put out an episode in like a year already. And, and so I thought, yeah, I, I, I could do this. I'd like to do this. And I prepped for a while and I put out some really awkward episodes starting January 1st, 2007. I think I talk about what I'm about to talk about in the podcast. In the second episode, I think I was talking about the bass auditions that were happening, which is not real evergreen content. If you're curious about what was happening February 2007, go listen to my <laughs> first or second podcast. And then I think I was even talking about the microphone I was talking to. I just didn't have any, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I finally got into the the interview kind of format, and which I don't always do, but usually do. And it's been a great education for me. It's one of those good for you activities, I think. Like even if I didn't put any of these out, I get a lot of benefit from having conversations like this yeah it's interesting i've really enjoyed listening i've listened to to really many of them um and i think it's really opened everyone's eyes and ears to what a fantastic instrument the bass is and just it doesn't matter what style of music you play there's a place for you in the bass world it's a really amazing thing one one thing i read about you jason was that you had a 15-year plan 
of a career plan. Is that right? Yeah, I actually there's there's a, a wonderful author here in the States named David Cutler. He put out a book called The Savvy Musician, and he reconnected with me. We did an interview for his second edition of the book, and I, I had put out a blog post about I, I was digging through some old files years ago, and I found this yellow sheet of legal paper, and it was Jason's 15 year plan circa 2001 or something like that. And I thought like, oh, my goodness. And it was it was so specific. It's so hilariously not what I did. And that, I think five-year plan was get a full-time professional orchestra job in a group like, I don't know, the Kansas City Symphony. And then the 10-year plan was get into the Chicago Symphony. And 15-year plan was principal base of the Chicago Symphony. And I was like, wow, well, look at how I, I, I massively didn't achieve any of those. And I just thought it was sort of fun, the kind of naivete of, of youth. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's good to set goals even if you go way up. You know, there's, there's like a, a focus that comes into that. And I, I am happy doing what I've done in those 15 years plus since that. But yeah, didn't hit any of those goals. Well, I think you went the way you were supposed to. David and I, our first podcast was like, you know, how did you get where, where you are today? And we were talking about how you have to set goals, right? That's part of life for no matter what your career is. But more often than not, that's not actually the right thing and you find your place you find what you're supposed to be doing like i think that your podcasts your double bass headquarters all of the things that you've done have brought the double bass community together have bonded us you have a positive uplifting spirit about you and so every time you talk to somebody you have something nice to say and i think that's something that was needed and still is needed and so I think you found your place and maybe you would have been less effective in the land of double bass as principal of the Chicago symphony, because I think you've reached more people this way, you know? Well, I, I appreciate the kind words. It is, it's sort of a running joke here in San Francisco. People are like, I, I'm like weirdly well-known in the bass world. So we'll, we'll go out, I'll go out somewhere with one of the title chair players in the San Francisco symphony. And he gets a kick out of this. We'll go somewhere and, and I'll get recognized. He never gets recognized. He should be recognized. <laughs> He's up there on stage every night, but I get recognized <laughs> through the internet stuff. You know, uh, Di the wonderful Diana Gannett, she told me something that has stuck with me. I, I was asking her advice you'd give to young people or have given to young people. And, and what she said was, when you wake up in the morning, what are you fascinated by? Chase that, and it'll probably work out. And I think that's really good advice, even if it seems strange, even if it seems kind of kooky. The more, the more I've done this podcast, the more I realize the vastness of possibilities that there are in this music world. My experience uh, growing up and going to school, and Susan, I know you can really, we probably had similar training. I was just trained to like orchestral double bass, you know, orchestral double bass playing American style. That's sort yes. of like all I knew. And my eyes have just been opened so tremendously and my mind opened uh, talking to people from different corners of the world, doing everything. And the more I've, the, the more I've done podcasts and just chatted with people and really the more I realized like wow you really can go in such an endless variety of fascinating directions and I do think that Diana Gannon advice is just like there's something's gonna vibe with you uh go after that what do you wake up thinking about you know it's and so I've, tr I've tried to follow that uh over the years I think that's great advice I think everyone should share that concept because whatever it is you wake up thinking about that's really what's what's getting you going it gets you out of bed and spurs you through the whole day 
that's what you're passionate about. That's where, where you should put your focus and your attention. And you know, it's, it's true. I mean, in America, when you and I were in college, cause we we're about the same age, it was, you will train to get an orchestral job. End of story. No other choices were presented to us. And in the past like five years or so, I've been, you guys both know, I've been sort of exploring some solo career-ish type things. And man, that stuff that if I had learned those pieces in college, I would have been laughed at because it wasn't Beethoven 5. It wasn't Ein Heldenleben. And it, you know, why are you wasting your time? But this, it's fun and it's that's one of the things that gets me out of bed in the morning is, you know, learning the new piece that David Hayes wrote and things like that. It's, it's, but it's really different. And I think it's wonderful for people. Your podcast helps with this for people to know there's more than just orchestral jobs out there. There's a lot more. And the path, even if you are, even if that is your path, the, the, the way to that path might not be just banging your head against the wall. With, you know, like right. something Je Jeff Turner, the wonderful uh, longtime principal bassist of the Pittsburgh Symphony, teaches at Indiana now. He told me he was the head of the Pittsburgh Symphony Audition Committee for years and years. And he said one commonality across the board, violinists, cellists, oboists, um, people who would be successful at the Pittsburgh Symphony uh, audition, they, they usually had done something else artistically recently like they had just played a recital or done it to and like 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 they, they they brought something more than just you know polishing to perfection those few those few excerpts and i thought that was an interesting uh observation from from jeff yeah that's it that's actually something um cindy myers the piccolo player with the boston symphony she said to me she in her warm-up room before her audition didn't open any of her excerpts and she played just a solo piece that she loved and was just playing that and she said she felt like that kind of reminded her of these instruments are supposed to be artistry you know and music is is music and it's not these five measures or this one movement of a piece it's speaking to people on a, a broader level yeah. so i think that's I, I bet there's a lot of truth to a lot of audition winners having had that experience so I had another question. I'm hogging the questions, David. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm used to it now, so don't worry. <laughs> so, so here you have Jason Contrabass Conversations, the podcast, and then you started publishing, and it was through I think Gum Road was like maybe the server or whatever, and now it's turned into Double Bass Headquarters, and you've got you know merchandise and music and all sorts of stuff. How did this all evolve? Right. Well, none of that was my idea. It's just it's just crazy how things do evolve. Right. Um, and then things things take a path. And and, and uh, that was the whole publishing side was inspired by the wonderful uh, bass composer and bassist in the Atlanta Symphony, Michael Kurth. He reached out to me with a message and said, like, hey, I've got like. 200 titles for bass and i just want to like put them somewhere and get them out there and you've got a a presence how about we do that and and then my my business partner kind of a long time business partner at this point trevor jones he said like well why don't we try to why don't we try to turn this into something that will bring bring revenue to bass composers and and i i'm i'm I, i'm good at 
some things. Uh, you know, a logical step-by-step uh, -step business plans isn't really one of them uh, typically, but Trevor's been a great partner in that. And so he, it just sort of, it was one of those like, let's just build it and see if it works quick and dirty. And we use this service Gumroad, which was great. Just to, we tried to do it on this very old creaky website that I had. And I realized like this website is going to die if I <laughs> try to like make it do this. And, and it's just sort of evolved and, and kind of taken on a, a life of its own. And it's been really cool. To, I, I don't, I didn't have any expectations. I didn't even have the idea, but it's just been something, it's been cool to see how, um, yeah, it, it, it's cool to see every month how, how, uh, Bass players are writing cool music. People are picking it up. People are discovering other composers through this music. And now we've got this nice, shiny new site and to just go down the rabbit hole. Everyone's all late at night. I'll, I'll get sucked into my own rabbit hole. I'll be on there. I'll be like <laughs> clicking through some of David's pieces and it takes you to another piece. And it's just sort of the, the, this beautiful blue ocean. I think before we started recording, that term came up of, of like titles that you probably don't even know about. I, I, I've had such a great time. Uh, moving out here to California, getting into like learning new music and new pieces. And I, I a few years ago, I, I was, uh, I don't think I even learned a piece, uh, a new piece for 10 years when I was in my audition prep phase. I don't think I ever learned one new, which is so sad, you know, besides orchestral pieces that were on a gig. And as I've started to kind of embrace being a solo player or, a, a you know, a, a, somebody besides just someone singing in an orchestra section, it's just been, it's been really fun and inspiring for me. And so it's just, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing that evolved that both of you have been a part of. And, and I, I never, never thought that I'd be involved in any of that in any way, but it's been, it's been really cool to see take place. Yeah. For me, it came just at the right time. We'd, we'd been publishing for, I think about 33, 35 years, something like that. Um, and our distributor uh, had had problems during lockdown. And then suddenly they gave us five weeks notice to say they were no longer offering distribution services or websites. And they had everything. They had my website and they had all my music and they used to, to sell everything for me. And suddenly within five weeks, I had to, to have a new plan. And I think that's when I contacted you. I think maybe, maybe we put a few pieces on there already, but then suddenly um, it became uh, sort of an industrial scale uh, where we had suddenly more pieces um, and it, it's yours is now the, the website that I use mostly for recital music um, because it's fantastic. I, I I deal with you occasionally. I mainly deal with Trevor, Trevor Jones, who is amazing. Um, nothing is ever a problem. Um, if I don't know something, he'll find the answer for me or he'll suggest another way of doing something. It's And it's, it's a perfect solution it's a perfect partnership uh, so i'm eternally grateful jason to both of you for for what you've done and for for helping me get recital music out much further well i'm grateful to you too i remember that message and it was it was like right around when i think we had just put put it out i remember these conversations behind the scenes with trevor because we were trying to build it on this mm -hmm. this uh former blog site and and then then we, we we somebody who's got uh he's actually uh worked in marketing in the fitness industry for years and years he reached out to us and said hey i think i can help you guys um and and the three of us brainstorming then we hired a a company called wonderly based out of chicago and and 
we we uh, we were looking on some like cheaper services like Upwork or something, but we decided to go with a premium service. And I'm glad we did, and they sort of helped us engineer all this together. And yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun to to that's been a fun. And now that's just like a part of my day. I'm going to sit down and write a blog post on something, and I might pull from an uh, uh, an older podcast episode. And it's always fun when the the projects in your life there's some overlap. The Venn diagram overlaps a bit, and I kind of think like these days for me, I I make stuff on the internet. Sometimes I'm talking about pieces. Sometimes I'm talking about vibrato. Sometimes I'm doing or whatever. I'm doing a podcast interview, and then I I do some some work in the music industry as well uh, for a musical instrument company here in California, Eastman. And then I play bass. You know, I'm getting ready to play uh, Don Juan with the San Francisco Symphony when they kick off the season, and Beethoven Nine a few weeks after that. And so it's fun to like. And when I'm at the symphony, I get an idea for a video, and that all sort of helps the music industry job. And so it's it's, it's always kind of fun when the, the various projects in your life uh, can overlap like that. That's great. How do you manage your time? So like, you know, you're prepping some stuff for San Francisco Symphony. You've got blogs and you do a lot of like great videos and some of them are super short, which is amazing that you get like a ton of info in the short ones. Like, do you brainstorm about how much time you're going to spend on each thing? Like, how do you do it? Yeah, I tried. I had year when I started making stuff online, maybe 2005. I got started 2006, 2007. I was really just busy in life. I had I went back to school and got a teaching degree, and so I was in school for a bit, and then and then I was working, and so I was writing this stuff at like four in the morning or 11 p.m. I remember waking up at midnight to do an interview with Michael Klinghoffer because it was the only time I could find that where our our time zones would work, and he was lovely, but I sound so tired if you listen to this i'm just exhausted you know and and so when i and and i i got so burned out i just quit i didn't put anything out online no podcast or anything for several years and then i decided to get back into this in 2015 but i i i said to myself i want to enjoy my life so part of it and, and part and i enjoy the work i do but if i do too much of it I don't like it so much anymore. And then, and then there's always an, my, I, when I'm, when I'm not playing, I, I have much more control over my schedule, but then playing happens or travel happens. So I just try to make sure I, I don't bite off more than I can chew. And I like what I do. So I, I just, I have, I keep bankers hours. Basically. I, I, I start working around 8am and I shut this laptop no matter what at 5pm. Uh, and, and then usually one day a week, I try to go out and really change it up. Like I'll take the dog out to the Golden Gate Bridge and I'll bring my iPad and I'll probably do some writing, but I just try to like get out of my, my hobbit hole and, and try to do something different and, and stay off of email, stay off of social media on the weekend. And that's been a nice balance for me. And it makes, it means that when I'm on and I'm working quote unquote working or whatever it is I do, I'm like really focused because it's almost like a game. Like how much can I do in the, this, because even, you know, I think any, anybody who's lived enough years realizes that even when you have an entire day to yourself, you don't have that many hours. You got to eat. You got to do this. You got to do that. The dog needs to go out a few times a day and, and really, you know, you got a few and then you get burned out if you're really focused. So I, I try to make sure that I'm, uh, uh, 
not biting off more than I can chew. Uh, and, and, but, uh, and so, yeah, just keeping those bankers hours has been, has been helpful for me. That's and smart. then if I'm on the road, all bets are off. You might see me at anyone see me at a conference. They're like, that's not what you do at all. You're out till one in the morning cruising. Yeah, I do. But you know, when I'm actually like in, in my like normal day to day, uh, activity, I just try to, I try to be, be careful with how much time I allot to things. Mm -hmm. That's smart. That's so impressive. I'm, I'm really impressed that you have banker's hours. Because I, I I start working as soon as I get up and I keep going until I, I sleep and I never burn out. And I love every minute of every day. <laughs> it's so different. It's Yeah, I, I would really struggle if I had to do eight until five. I, I think because may, maybe I, I like, maybe I'll take an hour off in the middle and I'll then take another hour, hour off somewhere else. So maybe we do the same amount of work. But mine is just spread out during the day. And you know what? I, that's a good, I, I do, you know, ideas are going to pop into your head whenever, mm. right? And so I do have an idea capture system. So like if an idea pops into my head at 9am, oh, I'm writing that down, but I don't let myself actually sit down and, and I do break these rules, you know, they're, they're more like guidelines, but um, yeah, and that's awesome. And people are so different, like bringing up Michael Kurth, who was the inspiration for that. She, Michael said like, he's like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's what he told me. And he, he's, he just, and he is like a composition machine. You'll see like, like uh i'll wake up you know open up my email and he's he's already written a new suite and then and then like an hour later i'll get the the first revision on the suite and and he just goes and then when he's off he's out taking pictures of abandoned uh churches with pianos in rural georgia and and he's just a, a got that artistic fire and i just think everybody's different you know yeah and i think one of the things that's that's important and i don't know if teachers now, I mean, I, I work on this with my college students, but, you know, find, find your way that works. What is your peak practice time? What is your peak time for different things during the course of the day? And, and know that your roommate or your partner may or may not have the same type of work schedule. My husband is a night owl. He will start a project at 10 PM. And I'm like, dude, I'm out. I can't do it. I just can't. I'm a, but I'm a morning person and I'll get up early and I'll practice and he'll be like, Oh, why are you awake? You know, that sort of thing, but, but it works, but we each know this is what works for me. This is what works for you. But you hit on another thing that, um, Jason, that I think is really important and I'm such a goober, but so I, I recently stumbled across a movie called Marcel the shell with shoes on. It's this Ooh. little animated film about a shell that's like, of course, humanized. Um, absolutely adorable it's a really good like feel good movie but um so now i'm taking advice from an animated shell but he says i don't just want to survive this is me in a nutshell right <laughs> so he says i don't just want to survive i want to have a good life and sometimes i think when we're on the audition path or we're, when we're on the path that we think we're supposed to be on we're surviving but you get to a certain point and some people it happens when they're, you know, teenagers, some people it doesn't happen until they're in their forties or whenever you want to find the good life, the life for you that makes you happy. You get up in the morning excited to get up and do whatever's going to be happening during your day. And I think that you and I both got off the audition path around the same time. We were both like, yeah, you know what? I, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't productive for me. This doesn't make me happy. And will the end result be something I love? I don't, 
I don't think so, you know, and, and you find that what makes you tick. David has this amazing balance of composing and teaching, although he's not at Wells, he's still teaching, um, performing so many performances that he's got in his diary for these days. And just, you know, finding the things that keep you going. And I, I try with my students to encourage them to really kind of soul search and don't do what they think they're supposed to do find what it is that they love and bring some joy and again back to like you know you and your podcast and your website i feel like that's what you are encouraging people to do i don't know if you realize that you're doing it but you're like the poster child for for all of us are finding your heart and your soul in this kind of crazy world of music I appreciate that. It's 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 funny because like cr create, you know, I, I've gone through phases in life where I taught a lot and then I was a public high school orchestra teacher. So I was around hundreds of students a day, you know, just that yeah. constant activity. And then, you know, th these days I spend a lot of time by myself and like like, you know, we're if someone just looked at me right now, they'd think I'm like an insane person talking to my computer. But the three of us are actually chatting. Um, but a lot of especially the video th th uh, projects I do that really it's just like me staring into the black eye of a camera and to and even though i know that that what i do goes out and connects with people i mean i can look at the numbers and i can see i'd still like it still doesn't really register in my brain and so it kind of freaks me out when i go somewhere like i was just at the international society of bases convention and to have people come up and talk about all these you know <laughs> podcasts or things or videos or that that kind of thing i i just sort of I, I intellectually I know this goes out into the world, but it's still kind of it's still kind of crazy to to realize that actual humans are are connecting with <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm sure compo composers feel the same way, and and you know, and then teaching too. It's it's crazy how the 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 time you spend with a student, how that kind of radiates through. And as they live that, you know, I've, I, I look at what some of my students from 15 years ago are doing now, and it's just kind of crazy that I was a part of that journey. Yeah. Or you'll have a student, I don't know if this ever happens to either of you, student will be like, remember that time you told me like that thing about the dog? I'm like, I have no clue. Oh my God, you guys are listening to me and remembering this is horrifying. I have to be really careful of what I say. And then I'm like, oh, well, which which dog story was it? And it'll be like, you know, the dog stopped and was singing along when I was practicing or whatever. But I'll be like, oh my God, what am I telling these students? You worry. <laughs> Oh, I, I remember one of my first serious bass students, he just asked, like, hey, where should I go to music school? And I just rattled off five random schools off the top of my head, and those were the schools he applied to. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I just shaped this young person's life. This, And maybe my gut instinct was correct. He's a principal bassist of an orchestra in, uh, in uh, Ziegen, outside of Cologne now. Um, oh, cool. But but still, I, 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 I took a little more care crafting that list after that. But it, it is wild what, what you might say that connects or things I remember from my teachers and and influences yeah yeah it's true I think students really listen to what what we say sometimes more than we realize <laughs> well I know oh David's gonna say something and I'm interrupting oh, no, please please <laughs> I know that so I was just out at Tangwood a couple of weeks ago with the Boston Pops and we did this big we're going on tour to Japan in October and we're taking like three different John Williams-y programs and 
someone took a picture one of the the bass players like oh let's take a section picture which is something i never think of and and it was liz falser she's so smart she's very cool and she's just like let's get a section picture so she did and she posted in the next thing i know it was jason it was in one of your newsletters like oh look at this cool picture and i was like oh my gosh like you feel if something makes it to Jason Heath's newsletter, <laughs> you feel like, oh my God, I'm famous. I'm in. <laughs> and it was hysterical. And like everyone started emailing each other in the section that morning. Did you see Jason put it in his newsletter? This is so cool. You made everyone's day. It was hilarious because we were, we were surprised, but also very, like very honored to have made it in there. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, that newsletter is a fairly recent thing, too. You know, I didn't have any sort of email anything until maybe 2017. And mm -hmm. I, I and and again, Trevor Jones, hats off to Trevor. We come up with this system where um, I send things to him that pop up on my radar and he sort of organizes that. And then that company that we hired to redo the our website, he, they sort of like helped us create a formatting that makes sense. And it's wow, I never I never thought that having an email newsletter would be something I, I do. But a lot of people are like, oh, you're the guy who does the videos and has the newsletter. It's like, to me, those things just got started. I think it's like, what about the podcast? You know, that's like <laughs> the thing I feel like I've, or I've certainly have done the longest. Um, and it's just interesting how um, phases of life happen like that and projects pop up that, again, like regular newsletter was never, never something that I thought I would be. I think doing. it's smart. It drives people to the website and it has them checking out things and it's, it's a great way to kind of continue the the excitement and the interest and mm -hmm. you know sometimes you have a busy week and you've forgotten about all your normal things and then i'm like oh i get the newsletter oh yeah let me check out what's new on the website which is fun well, it's it's nice to have a few uh, putting on like a my business hat. Not that it's much of a hat, but I but like it is nice to have a few things that you do own because the the power of social media. There's also like a drawback of building stuff on rented land, and then they can change the game. And so like there's really not there really aren't that many things in this digital world that you can truly own. But like your new email newsletter list is one of those things. Your your website is, and then what we're doing here a podcast is another one of those things like it's really hard for quote unquote them to take it away from you so those are three things that i've heard on on various business podcasts i tap into uh as the three and it's like hey i have those three so yeah it's great it's so smart are you happy with your your life as it is now are you happy with the balance you have um what are your next plans yeah, well, that that I mentioned that author David Cutler, the savvy musician. He said, "What are your goals now?" And I said, "I have one goal, and that is to like my life." And and part of that means doing this kind of work that we're talking about because I really enjoy and I get a lot. And I find it fun and creative. Uh, but part of that is also going going out for wine tastings with my wife and going for walks with the dog. And and I. I have really, in terms of next plans, I've been really having fun sort of embracing the role of being a base journalist. When I go to events, my, one, of, one of the, and all three of us will know this, there is a magic that happens when bassists gather, but that magic can be a little bit hard to communicate to people who aren't part of those gatherings. And so like I was just at the ISB convention this summer, uh, which is great, and there may be 1400 people there or something but most bass players 99% probably of bass players weren't there and so how to communicate what's cool when we bass players get together that's part of like the idea behind the the website certainly and I'm trying to do that in videos and it's and but then as I'm going to these bass events it's like well 
how can I cover these? So I'm trying to like get it, get better photographs, do interviews, create video. And so that is something that I am having a good time with just, just sort of showing what's happening on a local level in the double bass world, you know, at, at, that I can, I'm only one human, so I can only be a, in a <laughs> few places at a time, but to try to like where I am at, kind of capture the magic of, of base community. That's maybe sort of a, an, uh, airy goal but that's that's sort of that's the thing that has been really capturing my attention uh these last couple of years now that i've been able to get back on the road and uh and go around and travel that's great world domination yeah <laughs> jason for president yeah <laughs> got my vote <laughs> no no david and susan for pre co-president yeah <laughs> No, Susan for president. Okay, there we go. Oh, Susan yeah, for president. That sounds horrifying. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great, though, because I, 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 we're so happy that you're here joining us today because you not only have all these great things going, but I feel like you've, you've been the trailblazer. I know you say you weren't the first podcast for bass, but you're the one that caught on. You're the one that people noticed and really started listening to, and you've just been, you know, doing the thing and, and everyone's like, Oh, what a great idea. And it's very exciting. It's exciting to watch everything unfold for you and all the hard work that you're doing. But it's also it, you inspired us to start a, a podcast. David said to me one day, he said, we meet every week, we chat, we should, we should record some of these and just do a podcast and if no one listens. So no one listens. It's not going to hurt anybody. But, you know, Jason Heath has this great podcast and everybody listens to it and it's great. And, you know, it just it definitely inspired us. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. And, and that's like the perfect example of, of, of a great reason to start a podcast. You're having these conversations. Why not just hit record and put them out? And, and, you, and you never know who's going to find them or win. And, the, and there's this crazy shelf life to this internet content that, I mean, I, I occasionally dip into my podcast statistics and it's like, oh my goodness, these things from 2007 are still being listened to. And part of me thinks like, please, don't, don't go back that far. I was using these, these, this software that would, that would have audio drift between me and the guest really strange so i would get ahead of the guest i think and and it baked it into one track so t terrible software um but I, I they would be talking and all of a sudden i would start laughing like an insane person and then they would tell a joke and there'd be dead silence and <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just like you know the things but but it's so cool you never and and like I think about podcasts I listen to They're like, I'm just sort of like on this journey with that person or those people. And I'm like walking the dog or doing the dishes or I'm at the gym or whatever. And you just, be they become like your friends in a, in a way that's different than other ways that you communicate with people. Because you're, you know, if you're, especially if you're wearing like earbuds or something like that, that's like, like people are talking like directly into your head. It's just a very, very uh, tight connection. Um, and I find that with, with, with like podcasts I've followed for years, um, I feel like I know those people so well. So it's a, it's a really cool way to connect with people. And then I also, it's one of those things that I feel like it makes me a, a better person and a better, certainly a better musician because it makes me do research and reach out to people. And I might do that anyway without the podcast but i will with the podcast like i just chatted with this wonderful uh jazz bassist in new york city marty eisenberg put out this really cool new album inspired by the movies of wes anderson anderson and i you know i 
I might have listened to that album if I wasn't going to chat with it, but I totally did. So I listened to this new album. I did some research. He had been on another podcast, so I listened to that. And it's just one of those, it, 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 I grow my body of knowledge and connections with people. And it's just, it's one of those things that I think, it, yeah, it, it, you could lie and say you had a podcast and never publish it and you'd get a lot of personal benefit out of it. Yeah. I think it's great. But yeah, as you said, like the research that you do, David and I just did for our season one closer. Um, well, David, you should talk about it because it was your idea. What was it? What it was, was the it? Desert Island Discs. <laughs> what was the last one we did? I can't remember. <laughs> Favorite fives. Oh, this, oh, right. Oh, yeah. In, in, in the UK on radio, BBC Radio 3 is classical music. Um, oh, no, it's BBC Radio 4. Uh, which is spoken word. And there's been a program for, I don't know, 50, 60 years called Desert Island Discs. And somebody famous um, chooses eight of their favorite recordings and they cast away on a desert island and they get the Bible and they get the complete works of Shakespeare and they can choose any other book and um, a luxury. And um, it was interesting. It, it's always interesting. Even the the ones who hate music, they're really, really, really interesting. And so with Susan and I, I, I suggested we each chose five of our favorite bass recordings. Mm. And uh, mine, I did five of mine. Uh, and then you, the last uh, con uh, program was yours, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating with listening to Susan's, going back to listen to these recordings I hadn't listened to for, for decades. And it was really, really interesting. And to hear your take on them, why you chose those five. Yeah. And it required for, for these particular podcasts, it required research, of course, and listening and listening to each other's and um, going through, you know, David was saying, oh, I have like three or 400 solo recordings that are in my collection. I was like, I think I have two. And so then I went through my stuff. I realized I had a lot more than that, maybe like 40 or 50, which for me, I was surprised by, but it pales in comparison to David's collection. But I was seriously like, oh my God, how am I going to have five? And then I went through, I still have old CDs because a lot of things just aren't available in mm -hmm. other formats and I, I like them. So, you know, so I was going through my CD collection and I started pulling things like, oh my gosh, I really have a lot of recordings. I just as an orchestral audition trained bass player, I'd pick things up and I'd listen to them. And then I'd be like, Oh, I should be listening to, you know, Zarathustra. So I'd put them away. Um, but I had some that I had continued to go back to and had really enjoyed and for different reasons. And some were, were newer, like Diego Zacharias is, is newer. Um, and I was just like, Oh, this was really fun, but it's, it's great because when when david or i come up with an idea and i'm sure you have this for a podcast then you're like all right i gotta go do a little deep dive into this subject and i love it because i i learn about other things and sometimes i feel like david is teaching me like he really knows a lot about the czech school of bass playing and so we did an, an episode about that and i did research that i could find but he knows a lot too so we were able to sort of talk about it and it was great i was like i'm, just, I'm learning I think, too. I think you're a better deep diver than i am if i'm honest i think <laughs> i think you're you're far more professional than i am you, well, i think really they call it obsessive compulsive <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm really yeah I, i'm so so pleased that susan is, is part of this podcast because she does all the hard work and i just turn up every week it's, it's so funny it's so different <laughs> it's a good balance it's really fun because david comes up with a lot of great ideas and i'm like oh, 
I better go research this. <laughs> but it was interesting with the CDs because I think most of the players either I knew or I'd, I'd worked with or or I yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was really nice to uh, to be able to share share my knowledge of of my passion, my enthusiasm for this. And it was interesting as you choose chose um, a CD by Ovidio Bedilla, who was one of my great friends, and I did as well. And uh, it, it was so fascinating that uh, even you know twenty years after his death, twenty two years after his death, people are still really understanding how good he was. He was just uh, the best bass player I've ever heard, um, and really maybe the best musician. He he just and he he didn't have an ego because he knew he was the best. He didn't have to have an ego. He knew he was he was far better than all of us put together. He was an amazing character. So the other, so the podcasts have been amazing. So thank you for the inspiration, Jason. It's yes. been oh, really yeah. amazing. Yes, it's that's great. It's great. Yeah, and it's fun to like. I keep all my old notes from every podcast. I've used different pieces of software over the time, but I and it's it's wild to dive into. I have all my old notes from like 2007 and all this research and the way I've collected it changes. But it's 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 really fun to dip back in. And if I have someone on again, kind of like see like it's just yeah, it's it's just I, I I don't think I do a lot of research, but when I look and and go back and it's like oh I I have done a lot of research. You know, it's right. it's uh yeah. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating it's very fun it's great it's great to have you on with us too jason <laughs> oh yeah anytime I, I i'm i'm honored to to hang out and it's uh yeah but great idea for a show and i've i've loved the show and i i can't wait to see where it goes oh thank you thank we you. want to thank everyone for listening and watching our season two opener and i want to thank our sponsor gracegallerydesign.net for all your gift giving needs oh <laughs> and thank you jason for coming i know we're, we're across time zones all here with west coast and east coast and then over in england so yeah good coordinating for everybody it was really great but it's wonderful to have you with us jason and i hope you'll come back I would love to come back and thank you to both of you for the, the great conversation. And uh, I look forward to seeing both of you again on Zoom or in person or hopefully both uh, soon. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody, and see you next time. Bye-bye. Uh...